Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Orlova. I'm an OCD specialist and I have OCD. I've helped people from all over the world. And the most common thing that I see and hear people with OCD is that they feel isolated, confused about OCD and ERP, and oftentimes misunderstood. There are online self-study courses out there with once a month Q&A calls. What I've done is created a Mastering OCD membership to address the two most common questions that I hear. I can't have access, I can't gain access, and I can't afford it. My membership really helps to close this gap. You have weekly live Q&A calls. There's pre-recorded six weeks worth of training. And regardless if you're starting in week one or if you're at the end of week six, you will always have access to live weekly Q&A calls. Living with OCD means being able to have ongoing support and ability to review your foundational training. People often doubt if they can really get better. And the answer is yes, you can, but you have to put in the work and you get what you put in. So if you are interested in joining, go to www.coreresults.com forward slash mastering OCD. Thanks so much and see you there. All right. Hi, Dr. Ruth. Hi, it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I was going to say welcome to OCD Whisperer podcast. Um, So on uh, my podcast, what I love to do is usually ask a couple of questions around a topic um, so that my audience can learn a little bit more about it. And today I wanted to cover perfectionism with you. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. So I am going to dive right on in, which is what I think people know I typically do. So I think one of the things that's important for folks to hear and know is if we can start out with just some basic, like, like how would you describe perfectionism OCD? Like what, what really is it? I mean, I think it's really, you know, there's actually a fine line, I think, between perfectionism, just plain perfectionism, OCD with perfectionistic tendencies, and then also like obsessive compulsive personality disorder. I think those get blended a lot because of that perfectionism. Um, The perfectionism that is incorporated into OCD isn't perfectionism that's motivating, right? For me to do my best work. It's more about, um, the, it's more about decreasing distress that comes from things not being right or perfect. Right. So, um, things might, if you have perfectionistic OCD, you might, um, really like things to be a certain way. You have decided that there's a right way and a wrong way and things must be the right way for you to feel comfortable. Right. And that can go through, I mean, there's so many different ways that this can show up. I'm thinking about all the different um, patients that I've had that have had some um, symptoms of perfectionism and how different it can present. Right. So if you're a student, maybe it's with academics. If you're a wife or a mother, it can look very different than if you're 12 years old. Right. And and doing academics, Um, you can also experience a lot of perfectionism in um, compulsion in compulsions, like doing a compulsion perfectly, mm. right. To, to be, to get over that anxiety. Um, uh, there's just lots of different ways I've seen uh, recently. I've seen a lot of, um, individuals that struggle with perfectionism, really taking back some of that control in their eating and having disordered eating mm-hmm. associated with perfectionism and, you know, having the perfect amount of protein or whatever, you know, my macros need to look perfect. Um, it can just look so different depending on the individual. But I think that there is, 
I could probably say with some, you know, with some certainty that um, uh, anybody who, you know, that, that I can find um, symptoms of perfectionism maybe in, in, in a lots of, and maybe the majority of people that I work with, um, whether they have OCD or just anxiety. Interesting. So with that, because it sounds like it, 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 there's so many different ways that it can show up, but there are some, from what I'm hearing you say, um, kind of key features you can notice where somebody mm-hmm. kind of gets stuck and things having to be done just right or perfect or a certain way before they can really move on to a task. And that can include compulsions. Um, if you don't mind, I'd love to kind of dive into like, what would be some symptoms or hallmarks that somebody should look out for? Like what kind of thinking styles might be more prevalent um, or what kind of behaviors uh, would we see somebody exhibit? Okay. So um, the thinking styles immediately makes me think of, you know, all or nothing, black and white. It's either a hundred or it's a failure. Um, that is, you know, the tendency not to see that we tend to live in the gray area, right? Most of us aren't perfect. I don't know anybody that is. And that, you know, striving to that, um, striving to that level, striving to that expectation usually results in uh, distress and self-criticism and self-judgment. Um, so you'll see a lot of, I think some hallmarks. So you're asking about hallmarks. Um, I always, um, use how others are judging, how, how a patient is judging someone else as an indicator of how they might be judging themselves Mm -hmm. and what sort of expectation they have for themselves. Um, so if I hear that someone is, you know, oh, that's stupid. She shouldn't have done that. Um, I would have done it this way. I can assume that they are telling themselves the same story and I just have to find that story. Um, some hallmarks, very rigid, right? So, um, things have to go a certain way. It's hard for me to bounce back if things haven't gone the way that I want them to. Um, very structured a lot. Sometimes there's that just right thinking, you know, the magical thinking where it's an arbitrary rule that they're following that they have to follow. They can recognize that maybe you don't have to follow it, but for me, I I have to do it this way in order to feel comfortable. And is it fair to say that that kind of rigidity and thinking style can also lend to like an emotional outburst or anger? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I think a lot of the times with perfectionism, it's not seen as an issue by the person themselves. And we see Mm -hmm. this a lot in, you know, like OCPD, right? So I don't see anything wrong with doing it this way because this is the right way to do it. The problem usually comes from somebody else, um, a spouse, a parent, a friend, somebody really having a lot of trouble in that relationship and being able to uh, meet the expectation of the perfectionist. So that higher standard that that perfectionist has, sometimes they might also hold their their family members to or their spouse to. And the problem comes, you know, the problem is highlighted when somebody else points it out to them. Because I'm doing it right, right? So there's nothing wrong with the way I'm doing it. Interesting. So when it comes to perfectionism and OCD, like specifically to dive a little deeper into that, what would you say are some things to look out for in terms of that obsessive or compulsive feature? Um, You mean compulsion-wise? Like like for example, somebody with perfectionism, like would you imagine like you know, just to kind of ask you, um, is this where like they, let's say could cognitively get stuck on or start to obsess about, 
Um, let's say if it's an assignment that, you know, they have to get this one piece right and, and they really just can't quite complete it at all uh, because they're totally. taken apart, yeah. right? But they're obsessing about that uh, rightness or did I get it right? And so now they might be rechecking, rereading, yep. or maybe they're obsessing about, um, you know, am I understanding everything perfectly? And so instead of being able to listen to, let's say, a lecture series or a podcast or even a movie that they're watching, um, that they suddenly get stuck on uh, in this loop of, wait, did I understand everything? I'm not sure I did. And so they might even mentally start to compulsively analyze um, what they know and what they're listening, what they heard. Absolutely. I mean, everything you said is absolutely just right. um, Hits the nail on the head. Right. So, um, so rewriting, reviewing, re-editing. I see this a lot with like emails, right? So an email that should maybe take 20 seconds to write ends up taking 30 minutes because I'm going to read it over and over again. I'm going to change words. I'm going to change grammar. I'm going to send it to somebody else to read it. So reassurance seeking, am I doing this right? Is this correct? Making sure, trying to find that certainty that something is being done the right way. Um, A lot of, um, I think you mentioned this too, kind of avoidance, right? Mm -hmm. So if I don't know for sure that I'm going to be able to do it perfectly, maybe I'm just going to not do it. I'm not going to do that assignment or I'm not going to go to that, you know, go play, go, go um, play that, play in that game or, you know, whatever, um, because I'm not sure that I'm going to do it the exact perfect way how I would like to do it. Um, procrastination, right? So waiting until the last minute because I'm literally about to ask you about procrastination. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm thinking about it constantly and the right way, how I, how I envision it to be, but it seems so overwhelming to achieve that, um, that perfection that I procrastinate and I sit on it and sit on it and sit on it until then I have a deadline and maybe I'm working twice three times as long as the next person because of the things that I'm doing over and over and over again to make sure that it is done correctly or perfectly. Right. Yeah. I often say procrastination and perfectionism are friends and they go hand in hand. Um, And instead of getting something done or or something done well enough, you you literally get nothing done. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Understanding kind of, you know, what are the costs of perfectionism? Because, I mean, I think in society and in the world, you know, of course, you know, being able to achieve or succeed is something that is celebrated and something that is, um, you know, reinforced. Um, but, but understanding to what degree, right? Just like anything, there's a spectrum, right? There's some things that are still, you know, it's healthy and it's fine. And then there's moments where it can cross that line. And, and now it's, it's not actually it's detrimental to you or it's, it's yeah. impacting your ability to actually complete things or yeah. move things forward. And from what I've seen as well, people can really turn against themselves and become highly self-critical, mm-hmm. um, really beat themselves up. That's the, that's the piece, right? So um, because we actually aren't able to achieve perfection, it turns into self-criticism. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times what I'm doing with um, perfectionism is working on self-compassion. And my first, the first response I always get is, that's stupid. That's cheesy. Who, who says those? You know, who, who does that? And I'm like, you're going to do it. We're going to do it together. <laughs> because what you're doing, beating yourself up for being human isn't working. So we need to try something else. Um, and you are, I mean, you are exactly right. Um, just that, that idea, you know, what am I giving up in order to try to achieve perfection? You know, maybe I don't even do the task at hand at all. And what am I giving up when I can't find that balance in my relationships? 
when I'm holding myself or someone else to this standard? What am I risking for this ideal that I'm not going to reach? Right, right. But in your head, you think you are because in your head, you can get stuck in them. Right. That's that's yeah. a great example. I wanted to loop back to something you said, because I think that that's also an interesting point. Um, and if we can just take a little deeper dive in this, um, the whole concept of the partner. Um, and if you have uh, that perfectionism piece, um, I, I also read somewhere there can be like perfectionism by proxy or like or, or where it's on it. You're, you have it, but you also are focusing on your partner, like hyper focusing on your partner, doing things right or doing things a certain way. And of course, they're human and their own individual self. And so if and when they don't. Um, yeah, I mean, talk about a relationship falling apart, right? A relationship falling apart because um, you are not paying attention to what I do bring to the relationship. It's constantly um, a discussion about where I'm falling short. And that doesn't feel good as a partner or a spouse. And when I you know, know that I'm not going to be able to meet that expectation. At some point, you know, many people decide to give up. Um, I'm not able to give you what you want or what you need. This isn't going to work without recognizing that there's something bigger and deeper going on. And that person needs, needs help, right? We need to do some, some behavioral therapy. We need to do some cognitive work um, in order to get past that. But that's a lot to ask somebody who doesn't live by that standard. Yeah, and just to clarify, because I, I think there's an important distinction um, between when you're in a relationship where um, overall, right, it, it's actually healthy, it's, it's grounded, both partners really are there to meet each other's needs, or your partner is really, you know, actually paying attention to you, like it's good enough, right? Not perfect, yeah. but, you know, good, a good, solid, you know, good foundation built relationship. And then if you're the one with perfectionism and you haven't had that, that treated, how you can start to wear the relationship down because you're not seeing um, the other elements. You're just hyper-focusing on, on those, like you said, the pieces that, that the partner is not doing right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can start to deteriorate the whole relationship. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And there's more to um, relationships than achievement, right? Obviously, um, that part where you have somebody supporting you, um, not being able to, you know, I always talk about values, right? So living this value-based life, is it, is, is your value having a house that's in order or is your value the relationship you have with your spouse and what, you know, we need to pay attention. What are, what are, what are our behaviors saying? And it might feel really, really difficult to walk away from that, you know, that, um, really, messy room to go spend time with your partner, but evaluating constantly the reason why I'm choosing this behavior or over organizing that bedroom is because the relationship is what I value. Right, exactly. Like I want connection. I want that depth. I want yeah. that, that closeness, that, in, that intimacy it doesn't always have to be intimacy. It can be just, you know, emotional, just that, that feeling like you're, you're really Together. having open communication and really connecting with your partner. Yeah. yeah. And that means, so it's hard to though value work with, with, um, with people that have perfectionism tendencies is really hard because when you are a perfectionist, it's hard to prioritize, right? It doesn't matter if something is worth 10% of your grade or like 90% of your grade. It's all, it all needs to be perfect. 
right? And so then I'm not doing the things that are important because I'm focused on this little aspect that needs to be perfect, right? Of uh, And in a relationship, you can see how it'd be really hard to, you know, you just need, you need somebody supporting you and encouraging you and helping you do that value work so that you can maintain focus on those things and um, help you prioritize those because you can get lost in the weeds and perfectionism. Very easy to do. Got it. And, you know, you actually already kind of mentioned this. This is a perfect segue to my last question, which is um, what is the best treatment for perfectionism and um, perfectionism OCD? Mm -hmm. Um, So I do a lot of exposure work, obviously, right? So messing things up on purpose. Um, There are more concrete things to do, I think, when the perfectionism has to do with tasks. When I can see a compulsion and I can see, you know, the person has defined perfect in this way, it's, it can be much simpler to create an exposure where we are attacking that and we're building up the individual's distress tolerance to it not not being right. And eventually the anxiety comes down, right? So um, if I were talking about kids or um, somebody at work, I might have them do something wrong on purpose, right? We're going to build up to that. Maybe we're just going to write the date wrong. And then eventually we're going to actually put some content in there that's wrong. And and what happens, right? So I feel really, really anxious once I've turned that into my boss or turned that into my teacher and then nothing happens. The anxiety comes down. I get a score or I get an email back saying, Hey, this is wrong. Can you change it? You change it and you move on. But if I've never done that, then I don't know what it feels like. I don't know that I'm capable of feeling that and getting through it. And so I have to practice. Absolutely. So well, you I mean, just said that and already I can imagine because I've had some people where like just doing things wrong, but then getting that feedback that, hey, you made a mistake there and to correct it, knowing most most people will recognize, oh, yeah, I'm human. Sometimes you'll make a mistake and I can't correct it and move on. But with somebody with with this feature, um, that would be the one thing that could really uh-huh. Be super intense and very anxiety producing. Yes. Not being able to see in the moment that you can actually make a correction, like practice making a correction and moving on. We're not saying you're going to make big mistakes that are going to cost you, let's say, your job, but where you you start to infuse some where you have to practice being open to getting feedback. And being human and being okay with the fact that you're human. And um, uh, um, yes, exactly. So what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say something good. Um, (laughs) It'll come to me later. Um, Just, yeah. So practicing, um, practicing messing up on purpose. Oh, hello. What I was going to say is what makes this a little bit more complicated than just straightforward exposure work is that I do think that there is a cognitive piece to perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And usually when we are working with OCD, we are not challenging thoughts, right? That's not, it's not important for me to try to argue with a thought that I can see later is irrational with perfectionism. Like you mentioned, what are some, um, maladaptive thinking patterns that go with with perfection and that's that all or nothing and black and white thinking but I really do think that cognitive work cognitive work can help in those situations so um helping them see like what your the standard that you're holding yourself to is not the standard that you know Mary next to you is holding herself to how come she gets to live that life and you don't right? So challenging that all or nothing thinking that if it's not a hundred it's not good 
what is good, what is bad, what is perfect, what is not perfect, and helping poke holes in the the rules that they've created for themselves and the definitions that they're living their life by. Just putting in some uncertainty there where they're used to thinking that, well, it's this way, you know, this is right. Mm -hmm. Um, Poking holes there and helping them deal with that feeling that maybe it's not, maybe there is no perfect, maybe there is no right. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So it sounds like definitely CBT work, cognitive behavioral therapy, for those who don't know what that means, and exposure um, treatment and even, you know, ERP. Yeah. And self-compassion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, absolutely self-compassion. And, you know, just like, I mean, from everything I'm hearing from you is also learning how to have more balanced thinking. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. that it's not, it's not so, you know, spinning out to one side or intensely to the other side, like you said, that all or nothing. Um, but recognizing when you're doing that and then that's actually not a balanced way of thinking about something. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and just diving in with me into all the different components because it's definitely, you know, nuanced and, um, and yeah, I think you're right. You know, that there's definitely a little bit more cognitive work we would do here than just, you know, more standard, um, OCD. We don't want to be fighting with the OCD thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Allow it to be. (laughs) <laughs> you have to be careful, but you can explore other avenues of getting to getting, you know, it's a means to an end to helping build some uncertainty and build some coping skills for that, that anxiety that comes from that perfect doesn't exist. Beautiful. And uh, Dr. Roos, can you tell us where people can find you if they would like to talk to you or see you or learn more about you? Um, yeah, probably the easiest way, the most accessible way to find me is on Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook too, but my Instagram handle is at Dr. Ivy Ruth. So just my name, D-R-I-V-R-U-T-H-S. Um, you can find me on Facebook or um, you can just Google me and I have a website too. Um, awesome. Awesome. Thank be, you so I'd much. love to hear from people. in the show notes and uh, so people can reach out to you. Thank you so much for having me, Christina. This is so fun. It's kind of fun to just kind of do, 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 go through all these things. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want ongoing support with live weekly Q&A calls to address your questions about OCD, go to www.coreresults.com forward slash mastering OCD.